Today's scripture reading comes from Revelation chapter 1, verses 8 through 18. If you're following along in the Red Pew Bibles, this is page 867. Or you can follow along up on the screen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of a man, dressed with, in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. God bless the hearing of his word. Will the children come on down? Where are you? Oh, he's still up there. <coughs> Tangled up. There we go. Good morning. Good morning. Does anybody here know the alphabet? You? Can you say it for me? Can you come up here and say the alphabet? Yeah. Okay. Come say it. Nice and loud. Good job. Good job. All right. So I have a question for you. I have I have the chart here just in case we needed it. Uh, I think I need some help. <laughs> you can? Okay. So I have a question. What letter comes before F? What letter comes before F? E comes before F. All right, what letter comes after K? L. Comes after L. All right, now here's a really hard question. What letter comes before A? E. No, that would be after B. Wait, B after comes B. after A. What letter comes before A? Mm. I suppose it was a hard question. 
Does any letter come before A? Is there any letter over here? No. No. All right, now here's another tricky question. What letter comes after Z? Now I know my ABCs won't, next time won't just sing with me, right? Nothing comes after Z. Yeah. Do you know not all alphabets have the same letters in them? You did know that? Yeah? So not all letters, not all alphabets stand out like this with A. Most of them start with an A sound. Like apple. This, like apple, you're right. The Hebrew alphabet is alphabet. No, wait a minute, let me get it right now. I get the right tune in my head now. Out space, Gimel, Dallas, Hay and Well and Zion, Het and Tet, Yod, Tav, Lamed, Mem, Nun, Samet, Zion, Pei and Sadi, Kof and Res, Shin and Shin and Tau. That's the Hebrew alphabet. I think I know it now. Now, what letter comes before? What letter comes before A in the Hebrew alphabet? Aleph. Nothing comes before Aleph. What comes after the last one? Shin and Shin and Tau. Is there anything after the towel? No. No. Hmm. Now, I have another one. I used to be able to sing it, but I can't, I keep getting it twisted up. So I have to look at it. Hmm. Um, it's the Greek alphabet. I used to be able to sing that one too. It goes to twinkle, twinkle. Um, and it looks like this. Funny looking letters. Look at those funny looking letters. You see any on there that you recognize? Yeah, there's an A and a B. Yeah. That's alpha, beta. This one's gamma. Yeah, but did you see this one like this, and did you see this one like this? Yep. So That's the B. So these two Bs are the They're the same. Different. They're different. You're right. They're different. Yeah, like this one has a long one. Yes, it does. But this is where it starts. And this is where it ends. It starts with alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, c, omicron, b, keep, c, omega. Oh, no. No, sorry. Yeah. b, keep, c, p, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, b, keep, c, and omega. So omega is the last one. And that sounds familiar because in our Bible thing today it said that God was the alpha and the omega. Oops, go ahead. <laughs> um, the first and the last. Nothing was before and nothing is after God. God was from the beginning to the end. Nothing before and nothing will be after. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you have been here since before we can even imagine. You are with us now, and you will be with us long after we are gone. We thank you for that, and we thank you that you love us so much that you want to be with us all the time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, glory is kind of a weird concept um, that's hard to wrap our minds around, and it's also important because it's our purpose in the world for you. We pray that 
you will help us to um, understand what you want us to understand so that we may glorify you in word and deed. In Jesus' name, amen. So I already gave you a heads up that we're going to be talking about glory for the next couple of weeks, and we did that before in 2015. Um, we're going to take a slightly different angle this time, but first of all, i got to ask you, whether you were here in 2015 or not, what are some words or ideas that you associate with the word glory? Wait. Oh, you, knew the, you read the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, beauty. Light. Light. Victory. Victory. Presence. Worship. What did you say, Tom? Love. Oh, you guys. Man, I'm impressed. I, <laughs> I didn't expect all of, some of those words I expected. I didn't expect all of them. Um, yeah, all of those things are related to glory. How many of you have heard about or have, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a hard time getting into this. Um, glory is an important word in the church, but it is a little hard to wrap our, our minds around. We have all these associated words, but actually, if you think about them, they don't all sound like they go together, like light, victory, weight, what? How? Huh? <laughs> um, and yet, most churches that you go to will tell you in some way or other that it is important for us who follow God to try to glorify God. Right? How many of us want our lives to glorify God? Okay. How many of us know what that means? <laughs> I know what I think it means. Okay, what do you think it means? I, I think it means that I'm supposed to live in a way that shows God's greatness. Okay. That's a good summation. Ron said... He thinks that to glorify God with our lives means to live in such a way that it shows God's greatness. I can get behind that. So this is why we're revisiting this topic, though. Um, in 2019, we focused on a couple of things. One was in John chapter 1, which we looked at a couple weeks ago at Christmas time. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. So we have seen the glory of God, which is the glory of the only begotten Son, and it is somehow full of grace and truth. And we also had a theme verse, which I'm going to use as the benediction for the next four weeks. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we gaze on God and his glory, we start to be transformed to look more like him. We become glorious, and God becomes seen to be more glorious through us. 
God wants to share his glory with us. Um, there's a really old document that was developed in England, I forget when, um, called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and it's a thing that some new believers would be taken through so that they would understand the doctrine of their church. And one of the things that, it, one of the questions it asks is, what is the chief end of man? Which means, what is the point of us? Why do we exist? What's the main reason that we exist? And the answer is, Kathleen. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, John Piper, who's a pastor in Minnesota, who I don't always like what he says, but I do like this. He says the chief end of man, the, the reason we exist, the reason humans exist is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Anyway, the point is, it's super important. Somehow, glorifying God is part of what it is to be human, to be fully human. So, it's probably a good idea to revisit the concept every couple of years or so just to make sure that we're on the right track, right? When the Bible talks about glory, it talks about it, it actually in a similar way to what Ron just described. It is talking, when the Bible talks about glory itself, it's talking about what is the core or essence of something, of a person, of a group, of a, of a thing. What is the thing that makes them valuable, that gives them their uniqueness, and expresses itself in the world. So, for example, in Revelation, we read Revelation, the beginning of Re Revelation this morning, at the end of Revelation, um, the Apostle John writes that the glory of the nations will be brought into the kingdom of God. And I take that to mean that every nation, no matter what is bad about it, has something in it that is glorious, that is worthy, that actually can bring glory to God if it's directed in the right way. And so all of the things that the essence of these nations that makes them unique, that can bring glory to God, will actually <coughs> be present in the kingdom. So different cultural um, expressions and art and, and all of those things that come from the, the core of any particular group of people will be there to glorify God. So um, the glory of God, God's own glory, is the essence of who God is. When we talked about glory the first time, we talked about it like a diamond with facets, which helps us to understand how all of these words that you guys just said could maybe somehow be connected. Um, if you have a diamond, they never just leave it as like a blob. You cut it <laughs> and you shape it and it has, there are different ways to shape it, but it has different facets and if you looked really closely at each facet, the diamond would look slightly different from each direction, but it's all one diamond. So instead of examining each facet over seven weeks like we did before, we're gonna cram them all into today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the focus of this series, this time, because we only have four weeks for it, is we're going to look at glory as it translates from God through us back to God in kind of a loop. 
Um, but I think that we need to start with a picture of Jesus in all of his glory. So we need to understand the story that Lily read for us, because it's kind of weird. It's in Revelation, so of course it's weird. <laughs> um, so this is John. He's not John the baptizer. He is John the disciple of Jesus, and he's the last living apostle of the 12 apostles. And he's the only, of, the only one of the original 12 disciples, including the guy that replaced Judas Iscariot named Matthias. He's the only one of those 12 who did not get martyred. In other words, did not get killed for his faith. So he lived a very long time, um, and people in the, sort of in the next generation of Christians, there were some people who were younger in that generation who knew him before he died, and he, he provided this kind of continuity into the next section of the history of the church. But even though he didn't get killed for his faith, like all the other guys, he did get exiled to a prison island for a while named Patmos. And so he, says, he tells us, on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, I was in the spirit. And then he has this multi-sensory experience. He's spending time with God, and at this, time, at this point, he's, he's in exile on a desert island, so he doesn't have a lot of distractions. So when he spends time with God, he can just get deep into it, and he has this kind of supernatural experience, and it's not just a vision or a dream. It's like all the things. He hears the sounds, and he can turn around and see things, and it, there's just a lot. And what he really sees is the glorified Christ. John had had glimpses of this version of Jesus before. Do we know? Can you think of when John had seen Jesus like kind of like this before? The Transfiguration. Yes. So the Transfiguration is the time before Jesus was crucified when he went up on a mountain with James and John and he and Moses and Elijah showed up and they had a chat. Um, and Jesus is described as glowing, bright, whiter than any white you could imagine, just bright and shining. And, um, but he didn't have all the crazy things that are described here, but he definitely took on a, a little bit of a glimpse of what he was like in the heavens. Um, we all, John also saw Jesus, after he was resurrected, walking through walls and stuff like that. Normal human bodies don't do that. In case you didn't realize, don't try walking through a wall. <laughs> it's probably not going to work. Um, but so John had seen little snippets of Jesus as fully glorified, fully himself. But this is the real deal Jesus. This is Jesus uncensored. There is, like, he's got glowing hair and his eyes are like fire or he's feet are like fire. There's like lots of fire going on here. And, and he has a mouth sword. Is that cool? Weird? Scary? I don't know. It's just crazy. The effect of Jesus as he really is, in all his glory, we would say, he's too bright to look at, 
his eyes are blazing, and this levels John. John knew this guy. Right? He hung out with him. They knew a whole lot about each other, and now John is seeing Jesus in a way that he has only ever barely lived before. Remember the, when we talked a couple weeks ago about "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved." Sometimes you have to get a sense of the real magnitude and glory and awesomeness and holiness of God and get a little bit of healthy fear. Most fear is unhealthy, but it's not bad to have a little bit of a sense of awe. Um, so that our fears can then be relieved by our gracious God. And this is what Jesus does. John sees Jesus in a way he hasn't seen him before, and he falls down on his face, and then this glowing Jesus reaches out and puts his hand on John and says, don't be afraid. So, we are going to look at these facets of glory and look at them in the context of this Jesus that we don't really have. You know, we have lots of drawings of what people think Jesus looks like, but none of them look like this. <laughs> I haven't seen these. So, if glory is the essence of something or someone, and this is what we see Jesus' glory looks like, it might be tricky to sort of say, well, that obviously we can tell that this means God is love. Maybe. <laughs> so, we need to back up to another one of John's writings. John wrote a gospel, and he wrote Revelation, but he also wrote three little tiny letters that are shortly before Revelation. And in the first letter, which is only five chapters long, over and over and over again, John says, God is love. I've said this here before, but maybe not enough recently. So it bears repeating. It doesn't say, John doesn't say God is loving. John says God is love. That means love is the essence of God. And so, if love is the essence of God, then God's glory is Love. <laughs> yes. So, if the true nature of glory is the expression of or the core of something or someone, what something or someone really is, then the glory of God is love, and love is the glory of God. What that love looks like, we can tease out over the next couple of weeks. But we need to keep in mind that this is what John says about God, and this is really the only attribute of God that is not an attribute, that is the core of who God is. The, uh, elsewhere, the Bible tells us about God's other characteristics. He's righteous, he's holy, he's just, but those are all descriptors. It doesn't say God is righteousness, or God is justice, all of those things are pieces of his love. 
They are aspects of his love. But the core of who God is, is love. This is the starting point. And the Hebrew word for glory is related to the Hebrew word for weight, which is back to Paul's point. Um, so in Hebrew, the word for glory is kaved, and the word for weight is kavod, and they, there are some stories in the Bible where they play those two words off of each other. But the idea is that the substance of something is its glory. So in 2019, we, when we talked about diamonds, we talked about how the glory of a diamond is much greater than the glory of, say, glitter. And they're both shiny, right? But a glitter, glitter has no value. I think I looked it up when I was doing that sermon series, and I could buy a vial of glitter for like 25 cents or something. Maybe it's more now because of inflation, but... I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that glitter is really ever going to be, ever going to approach the value and the glory of a diamond. Part of how we assess the value of a diamond is by weight. A carrot is a unit of weight. And so we can use that analogy when we think about glory and weight. If you have something that can just fly off light as a feather, it's not particularly glorious. Um, but something that's there, that's present, that is, that makes itself known to you, that can be glorious. So when we know that the essence of God is love, and we know that that's where God gets his weight from his love, then we can see the other facets of his glory in this picture of Jesus. We've got to start with those kind of outside that picture, because it's a crazy picture, and we don't have a whole lot of reference points for it. But if we know that God is love, then we can read the rest of this picture in Revelation of Jesus as glorious. So one of the facets we talked about, actually, that we started with in 2019 was delight. There is something delightful about glory. If it's not the kind of glory that is um, I'm thinking of people who are arrogant and step on people to become famous. That's not real glory because there is no substance to it. But if you do something that delights you to do, and it turns out really well, and you can be proud of it in, a, in an appropriate way. I, look at this thing. It came out so great. I just love it. Sometimes that happens to me when I'm painting something, because I actually don't really know how to paint, and sometimes it will come out better than I expected, and I'm like, huh, I love this. I am glorying in that thing, and it's not a bad thing. It's a delight. I'm really happy about this. And God's glory is delightful. And I think that even though this picture could be scary, this picture of Jesus could be scary for us if we were suddenly confronted by it, because we haven't seen Jesus like this before, there is delight in it. There's a trumpet. It's loud. 
And then there's the sound like rushing waters. And it's just celebratory. It's plenty. There's, it's a lot. It's joyous. There is some joy here. This isn't Jesus being like, ah, here I am. I am glorious. This is the party trumpets and, the, and there's candles. and the, it, It's joyful. There is delight here. Another facet of glory is presence. Jesus is there. Katie got that one. <laughs> Jesus is there. This isn't just a dream. This isn't just something that John's imagining. It's not even just Jesus' voice. John turns to see the voice, and what he sees is the glorified Jesus. Jesus is literally there. He's all there. There's no, there's no note you know, leaving his divinity up in the heavens with the Father and coming down and taking on the nature of a servant and all of those things. Here, this is all of Jesus. Everything that he is, glorious. And he touches John's shoulder. But another facet of glory, at least for human beings and Jesus in his relationship to human beings, is suffering. And John points this out in verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So there is something about this Jesus, even this glorious Jesus, with the blazing eyes and the fiery feet and the mouth sword, that in this world brings suffering, but also that comes through suffering. This is the Jesus that we see after he has made himself nothing and taken the very nature of a servant and been glorified. Remember how we talked about that? He goes down and he goes up. It's a comedy. That's a smile. Um, the, it's a happy ending. And so this is Jesus after the suffering. This glory comes from what he laid aside, and this is what he has been raised back up to. Jesus is glorified because of the way his love for us played out in his own suffering, and we experience the same path to glory, the same way of Jesus, the same way of the cross. We talked about this when we were studying Philippians a lot. So John's saying we have... I'm a companion with you, all you people who are reading this book. Um, I'm your brother in this. There's the kingdom, but there's also suffering and patient endurance that are ours because of Jesus. This is connected to the glory of God. Another facet of God's glory is Jesus. If glory is the expression of the essence of God, if God's glory is the expression of the essence of God, nobody did that more completely or fully than Jesus himself. Yes, Jesus is God, and he's the word of God. He's the expression of God. He's the God that we could see and meet with and touch and talk to. He fully expressed in himself as a human being the glory of God 
to show us how we could do it because the last facet of God's glory is humanity, us. In John 1.14, John says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Jesus showed us what a human who bears the glory, which is the love of God, truly looks like. Sometimes Jesus gives us glimpses of his overwhelmingness. But basically, most of the time in our lives, he shows up in the little things, in the tiny things. We have to look for the glory. It's there. It's shining through you and you and you and everybody. And we can fan it into flame in each other. We don't normally see the blazing eyes and the mouth sword and good thing because it'd be hard to get much done around here <laughs> if that was all it was. But I do think that sometimes it's good to reset ourselves, especially at the beginning of a year, and remind ourselves that this is the God that we serve. This is the God we're actually following to become like. And it will involve delighting us. And it will involve our being present. And it will involve suffering. And it will involve our essences being molded to be more like Jesus. And it will involve our characters becoming weightier with the character of God. And sometimes the best way to do that is to let give Jesus give us a little glimpse of his overwhelmingness. Because even though he became one of us and he had smelly feet and probably body odor and all the things that we wrestle with as human beings in these weird little bodies, he's still and always has been God, the Son of God. So we're going to reset right now and gaze on Jesus and maybe let ourselves feel a little bit small for a little bit. I'm going to reread this passage, or part of it. Yeah, all of it. Um, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that you are John. And if you are able to, not everybody has a mind's eye that can picture things, but if you have one of those, try to picture this experience. Try to imagine yourself having this experience. If that's a little harder for you to do, just notice what words and phrases stick out to you and, and try to ask yourself, why is, that, why is that standing out to me? Notice what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're seeing in your mind's eye, and this will be how we close out this sermon today. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the isle of, island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on the scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a, was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now feel Jesus place his hand on your shoulder. Do not be afraid, he says. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This week, continue to ponder the idea that God's glory and God's love are the same. Ask him how he wants to express his glory and love to you. Lord God, thank you that your glory is love. And it may burn like a fire, but it is also glorious. It is beautiful. It is delightful. We pray that you will fill us up with you so that we express your glory everywhere we go, your love to the world. In Jesus' name.